Hello and welcome to Fantasy Life Podcast, Week 7 Questions Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's, it's a great day to be great. It's a great day to talk some freaking football people. So, bye Mageddon, bye week, you know, just overall, yeah, they suck. I get it. Got some hard questions to ask and we will be answering them today. By we, I mean myself and obviously Chris Allen, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. But, you know, sorry fellas, we're going to have to push you a little bit to the side today because we have a legit Stud wide receiver one, number 15 in your programs, number one in your hearts. The man loves jumping into Michigan State bands and taunting defensive backs in his spare time. Golden Tate. Golden, what's, on, what's going on, man? What's happening? I'm excited to be on here with the boys. Let's go. Chris, I hope I didn't, you know, I've shown you very little time and effort in your <laughs> intro. And now, I mean, that golden one, I'm just, you know, I'm going to pat myself on the back there. Sorry about that, Chris. <laughs> Oh, I, I mean, it's all up. I mean, what what am I supposed to do? I mean, you go from, uh, you know, me being the, you know, quote unquote, like lowly fantasy analyst to a, like a freaking like Super Bowl champion, like talking to us like right now. I mean, you couldn't find like a wider gap uh, in terms of, I guess, like record, like name recognition. So I, I 100% understand. But no, I'm just glad to be able to talk ball with you guys. Like you said, on a Thursday afternoon, what more could you ask for, brother? Dwayne, hair's looking great. <laughs> thanks ian like that's the only intro i need i'll take it uh yeah man you know when we're hanging out with golden tate like i'll take what i can get <laughs> i appreciate all you guys letting us know what's going on in the youtube comments and i got to shout out whoever said that Dwayne should start his own hair product line and then i should buy that but you know it did give me the compliment that i've come a long way since my pff days and yes i did shave off the amish looking beard so i'm working on it guys striving to get to Dwayne's level one of these days but enough of that let's get into the meat of today's show we have 10 or 11 questions we'll see how many we can get to that i do think are among the most important topics ahead of week seven so starting things off guys do buccaneers running back rashad white and wide receiver chris Godwin have untapped ceilings or is this it and Dwayne, we'll start with you here because if you just look at rashad white's utilization and just you know kind of strip the name strip the offense if we were only looking at that it would say rb1 of course though rb24 on the season and full ppr scoring that has not been what rashad white has been able to produce so far so Dwayne, is this a buy low opportunity for someone that legitimately has an rb1 level workload or is this just the sad state of affairs in a buccaneers run game especially that hasn't been able to meet expectations so far man I'd, i would love to say yeah just buy into the utilization but i don't think we can ian um and there are a few reasons why number one like the efficiency, the efficiency just has not been there for Rashad White. And that was the concern coming into the season, but only 5.7% of his carries have gone for 10 plus yards. The NFL average is nine and a half percent. So he's a replaceable option in the backfield. And then the other part that we thought, well, okay, great. Maybe he's not going to be that great in the run game, but this guy's a baller in the past game. He was really good at that in college. He showed us that as a rookie. No, just kidding. Nope, because guess what? Baker Mayfield's going to live his best life. He's going to YOLO. And if you're going to YOLO, you're not going to check it down to Rashad White. You're going to Mike Evans, man. You're going to Chris Godwin. So with White, it's just, it's we're not getting the targets. 13% targets per route run. That's not good. His target share is at 11%. And now, Ian, even the utilization is showing cracks. Coming off the bye week, when teams do make changes, Suddenly, we see Keyshawn Vaughn in his largest role. Keyshawn Vaughn, like, did anybody know he was even still in the league? Now, this dude is stealing away looks. Rashad White, the game after the bye, Ian, seven rushing attempts, four targets. Only 11 opportunities. Up until then, like, the guy had had 18 opportunities, 17, 22, 19. So we could say, look, 
not efficient, but utilization is there. He's eventually going to come through for you. I think right now, Rashad White, if you can get anything for him, I would try to because everything is going in the wrong direction, in my opinion. One of those things, man, where you can look at the offensive line and say, yeah, they're dead last in yards before contact per carry. But like we've seen guys like Jerome Ford and other running backs that then accordingly have really good yards after contact and missed tackles force numbers. That is not the case with Rashad White. 24th in missed tackles, just 40th in yards after contact per carry among 53 qualified backs. I tend to be with you, Dwayne. It's tough to drop him too far down the ranks, but in terms of him digging his way out of that borderline RB2 conversation, probably not. Chris, on the other side of things in Tampa Bay, we have Chris Goblin not putting up Mike Evans' numbers, but I was actually surprised to see he is the wide receiver three in PPR points per game, right between Calvin Ridley and Tyler Lockett, who I don't think are kind of being left for dead the same way. So do you think there is a ceiling for Goblin to eventually meet here? Because as much as this Buccaneers offense isn't great, I do think Baker Mayfield have, you know, at, has at least more weeks than not exceeded what were very, very low expectations coming into the year. Right. And I think I'd have some more concern if there were more uh, wide receivers or pass catching options for, for Baker Mayfield that were starting to come out in that offense. Because like to Dwayne's point with Rashad White, if we're seeing guys like Keyshawn Vaughn and like dusty other options in the in the running game starting to catch up. OK, that would make sense for us to have some concerns about Rashad White. But we're not really seeing that like for Chris Godwin. Yeah, I know Trey Palmer has popped up for a couple of games here and there. He's seen like a few targets. Kate Otten has popped up like here and there. But that's there's not that massive uh, like there's not a I guess uh, like there's not going to be any sort of decrease in the gap between like Godwin and the rest of those pass catchers. He's still sitting at a healthy like 22, 23 percent target share. I mean, we're seeing a lot of the like, still the targets per route run rate is healthy enough that I'm still at least somewhat uh, like somewhat confident in starting him on a week to week basis. And especially this week going up against the Falcons I mean, the other guys that we've seen have like solid fantasy days. Like I know it was AJ Brown who typically plays on the outside. Uh, I mean, but Justin Jefferson had a solid day with almost like 30 to 40 of his yardage coming from uh, on the interior. Same thing with Amon Ross St. Brown just this past week with almost like 75, almost 80 of his yards of his like what, buck 20, 130 yards coming from the interior as well. So if those types of guys can get some success against like the Falcons secondary, I would have at least some hope like for Godwin to continue that trend in week seven. Otherwise, yeah, I mean, with Baker Mayfield liking the throw and like throwing up those yellow balls, like what yeah. Dwayne was just mentioning. I mean, if that's going to be the case, okay, fine. But for this week, there is some hope for Godwin to kind of return some of that wide receiver two value that we've expected out of them. Falcons do rank dead last in passer rating allowed to targets lined up out of the slot. So I am with Chris here on this being a specifically, you know, good matchup here for Goblin. But when we look at this golden, I mean, to Chris's original point, it really is still the Evans and Goblin show. Evans has 39 targets this year. Goblin has 36. Nobody else is above 17. It's just kind of more of a question of like, can Baker Mayfield get it done? So golden, when you look at an offense, even just like from your experience, breaking in that new quarterback, I mean, is this something that we maybe should expect as we get into to November and later in the season for that chemistry to grow? Or do you just kind of look at it and say this ceiling with Baker Mayfield under center will probably remain untapped? Thoughts on this you know, Buccaneers offense, maybe gelling more as the, se as the season goes on? Yeah, you like to think like once you get into October and November, you're starting to play certainly better football and starting to play your best football. And so as that camaraderie and they gel more, I expect him to hit them more. But I mean, Godwin is a really nice compliment to Mike Evans. And so, like, he's got the speed and agility. And so, 
I don't think it should even be that hard to give him the ball. Like, look, put him on the outside. If you see single high, let him run a nine-yard hitch, hit him, and then hopefully he breaks the tackle and runs up for another 15, 20. Do that a couple times. And then next thing you know, run that same hitch, but make it a double move, run up the sideline and let him run under the ball and go get it. To me, it's really not that hard when you have guys who can get open like, like that. Now, Baker... You know, he's inconsistent, but he like he says, he's a yellow guy and he don't he don't really give up F and he'll throw it up. And so that's that's good. Now, he also needs time, though. He needs time back there to get the ball up and go through his reads. Um, but ultimately, I don't think it should be that hard to get guys who've proven it year in and year out that they can go get the ball. They can run routes. Just just figure it out. I mean, even if you get him some screens, get him going. But like him, he, to me, he needs more than six or seven targets a game. Yeah, 100%, man. And if you do look at Goblin and Evans, I mean, coming into this year, they were two of only five receivers with top 16 PPR per game production in each of the last four seasons. So that even goes back before the TB 12 days. Sad to see Baker not quite get it done. So I will say, just from having gone through some of the film, Goblin, zero touchdowns a season. I have counted four separate times where I think he could have found the promised land with slightly more accuracy from Baker. So come on, man, get it done. But, but. but yeah, are we ahead, really that surprised though? Let's talk about that. Are we really that <laughs> surprised because you remember Baker, Baker had OBJ and could not get him the ball. And I think OBJ is significantly more talented than those two guys. So, like, are we really surprised that Godwin and, and Mike aren't like producing the way we want to? I mean, I think Mike is actually producing a, a lot better than I thought he would, but I'm not that surprised. I mean, he's baker's showing us who he was for a bunch of years and why not believe it now so what i'm I hearing just, you say golden is that chris godwin's pops needs to get on social media and start <laughs> posting videos and whatnot to get godwin up on out of there that's that's what i'm hearing you say right now potentially if if he wants if he wants to get out of Tampa, then that's what he needs to do because we know baker is a very prideful person and but if you if you do baker like that and put and expose him he will not throw you the ball period so if he wants to get out, maybe do that. I mean, with a trade deadline coming up, I mean, it could be a high-risk option. It is true, though. DJ Moore struggled in the same kind of role. Like, Evans is more of a, look, you don't have to be hyper-accurate. Just put it around me, and I'll get it. And I, mm-hmm. I do think that works in his favor, uh, to, to Golden's point with Baker. Chris, I was so ready to make that exact same joke, and you just beat me to it. Kudos, my friend. Great minds, as they say. All right, guys, let's talk about, you know, a couple more gross offenses. Why not? Question number two, is there a single pass catcher in this Commanders-Giants game that we overly trust in Fantasyland? I will bring up that while it is only Thursday, this is looking like the most weather-induced matchup of the week. Sustained winds of 20 miles per hour with wind gusts around 35 for this one per Kevin Roth over there at Roto-Grinders. So, Dwayne, again, I mean, we've seen Curtis Samuel kind of rise to the top of the heap in Washington, not by a ton. Terry McLaurin kind of come back into his own last week. Meanwhile, in New York, we finally got that wide receiver rotation centered around three guys, albeit Daniel Jones still looking pretty iffy for this Sunday, and the Darren Waller experience hasn't been overly kind to us. So anyone, any signs of life here, Dwayne, that you're going out of your way to start? Uh, yeah, the show sheet says that you trust. Like, trust is a very, very strong word, Ian. Uh, what's, what's wild about it, like, as if someone had told me that Sam Howell was going to be a near like a 70% completion rate passer that Washington was going to be one of the fifth most pass heavy offenses and drop back rate over expectation. 
I would expect one of these guys to be going off, but they all kind of just cancel one another out. So, I mean, I'll be real curious to hear what Golden's thoughts are on these three guys. But Jahan Dotson right now, Ian, like I know you and I liked him a lot in the preseason. It really feels kind of like Elijah Moore last year. I don't know what's going on. Now he's out there like uh, doing placeholder stuff. Like, is he going to be like holding for extra points like that? That's not encouraging to me. Like no. finding a way to use our first round pick. Uh, well, we got to let him, you know, hold for extra points. Um, with Dotson, like, you know, today on Sirius XM, I said, look, people can just move on. Like, you got to move on. I get it. I, I still wonder, like, eventually if he can come around. But last year, it took one of these guys going down. So once Dotson was out of the picture, then we got more consistent, you know, uh, targets for Terry McLaurin. Then later in the season when Dotson came back and Curtis Samuel kind of fell out of the way, then it was Dotson that went off. So I think we're in a similar situation. They're all kind of canceling each other out. If I had to pick one, it is it is Terry McLaurin. I think he's got the longest track record. I think he's a really good player. It's just not necessarily working in his favor right now. For the Giants, no, I don't trust any of them. Darren Waller, because he's a tight end. Uh, but outside <laughs> of that, I don't trust any of them. Uh, you mentioned the main thing, though. At least it's condensed around three guys. Jalen Hyatt's now out there 80%. We've got Wandell Robinson playing from the slot. If I had to choose someone, Girl Scout sauntering to my door, <laughs> says, hey, you got to put your mortgage on a bet this weekend. Who is going to get the most catches for the Giants in the receiver core? I would put my money on Wandell Robinson because he's operating close to the line of scrimmage. He's been the guy getting the most targets here lately. Um, but Darius Slayton, in a full-time role, 97% route participation last week, we saw him do some nice things last year. Like he was, he never turned into like the super target earner, but as the main guy for that offense, we got some wide receiver two performances. So I'm not going to lie. I picked up Darius Slayton in some pretty gross leagues that I have to play in. Um, last night on the waiver wire, I was up grinding and I was like, you know, I got to have somebody this buy him again. So I threw him in there, but do I trust it? Hell no. I do not trust it like at all. Well, outside our uh, little circle of trust paper for sure. Wando <laughs> is coming in as our, you know, fantasy left consensus wide receiver 43. Darren Waller has a, you know, tight end eight. So I'm not saying you can't completely start them no matter what. You know, I've been in those, you know, big leagues with a bunch of buys coming at you all at once, but it's not pretty. I mean, Golden, you know, we do our Sunday morning show and just, you know, your optimism for the Giants. It's been kind of sad to see that, you know, just dwindle down week after week. I mean, any signs here of you think a bounce back coming for any parties involved? I, I would like to think that the Giants are going to figure it out, especially if Saquon's on the field um, and not injured, because I do think regardless of his talent, he still puts fear into defenses and because he's going to draw a lot of attention. And because right now, I don't think anyone trusts the Giants to throw the ball. You're going to, he's, he's going to have the extra safety down there stopping the run. Now I do like Wandell Robinson. I like him. If he can stay healthy, I think that boy, is, he's good. And I talked to Sterling Shepard a few weeks ago. I was like, man, hey, why are they not playing you, bro? Like, why aren't you getting some some burn? He's like, well, Wandell's coming off an injury. And, and I think they really like him. Um, and hopefully, you know, I get some opportunities this week. And I just hadn't seen much of him. So they like Wandell. I mean, that dude is quick. He's explosive. He is really nice at getting in and out of his routes. And I think the single most important thing about it is that he is going to navigate right around the line of scrimmage within – five to eight yards and so the with the with the giants offensive line being dog water like tyrod or daniel jones is going to learn like all right you got wandell running a, a in and out route or he's going to run a, a oscar route which is a which is speed out just hit him hit him and then wandell's one of those guys where once he gets the ball he turns into a runner so he can make a guy miss and run for 30 and so guys like that i really re respect because it really takes one more thing going right for you to complete that ball. You like you don't you just 
Get the, get the coverage, get the ball in your hands, throw it, and let him go. And so I do like Wondell. And, and like you mentioned, like I had no clue about the weather being an issue. That that makes it all, all even better because you got to get that ball quick and don't let it get into the wind. And so he's going to be there. And I see, you know, uh, Matthew did a phenomenal job of calling the over on, on his yards. And I took it and it hit. <laughs> Straight to the bank. I love it. So, yeah, man, again, nothing really guaranteed in that New York Giants offense. But with all those O-line injuries, tough to overly blame anyone. I mean, Tyrod Taylor, like that performance he put on Sunday night was absolutely spectacular. Just in some of the buckets, you know, balls he was dropping in the buckets, I should say, down the sideline. I mean, it's a really small sample size. But unironically, the number one QB this year in completion percentage over expected, none other than the artist known as Ty God. So always appreciate that. And, yeah, I wish we could see. You know, Sterling Shepard gets some more run. When that dude has been healthy, one of the more fun route runners to watch in the game. Chris, on the other side of the ball, again, weather's still impacting Washington, but obviously we feel a little bit better about this passing game up. But as a whole, Sam Howell just one of nine quarterbacks with over 1,500 passing yards this season. So as our resident weather expert, you know, just weatherman Chris over here, what are your thoughts on Curtis, on, you know, Dotson maybe, or on Terry McLaurin, and anyone you're really getting overly excited about? Because the matchup should be winnable. Just got to worry about that wind. Yeah. And to Dwayne's point, I think Terry McLaurin, we've seen him in the past, like with having the longer track record that he'd be the the easiest one to trust if you want to put that term to it. Uh, but we've seen Curtis Samuel so far start to stand out amongst the rest of the pass catching options, like outside of Logan Thomas, who like bizarrely had just like a random one target game after having what double digit targets the week beforehand. But I was looking at some of the usage for the Washington pass catchers last week and preparing for the newsletter for last Saturday. And if you just look across some of the areas that we find to be like the most, I guess, conducive to fantasy usage, whether it's, uh, you know, targets in obvious passing situations, third, fourth down, more than three or four yards, uh, whether it's targets downfield, like 20 plus air yards or more, uh, or even just like, let's say like raw target, or once you get into the red zone as well. And a lot of this, like, there are multiple options because we'd had this conversation where there was last week or the week beforehand about how many options Sam Hell has. And I mean, if you start to look at some of the names that pop up just for Washington alone, it's Logan Thomas, it's Cole Turner, it's Curtis Samuel, it's Gibson. I mean, all these guys start to pop up. But there were two names that seemed to come up across like each one of those buckets that's, like I said, most relevant for fantasy usage. It was Jahan Dotson for the most part up until last week, but it has been Curtis Samuel for the most part, like with having a uh, 10 plus percent target share in each of those areas. Terry McLaurin is obviously like still working for, for most of that. I think it's his red zone usage that's been, that's kind of dipped this year, at least uh, relative to the other pass catchers. But Curtis Samuel across all those buckets, like he's been that guy so far for Sam Howell. And so while I am concerned that, you know, Howell will still be on pace to have what, like a hundred sacks, like by the end of this season. So that might be one of those things that kills some of those drives that will help fuel Samuel's uh, potential fantasy value. But overall, if he is one of those guys that right now you can still pick up, I think on Yahoo, he's still only like 40, 49% rostered. So if you are in a pinch, like we're talking about by Mageddon being this week, I mean, no Jamar, I mean, no CD. I mean, some of those like big name guys that you would want to have. Well, I know Curtis Samuel is no Jamar Chase and, you know, and like, he's not one of those top 12 options you would want to have locked and loaded into your roster. But if you need a dude to get you, you know, 10, 11, 12 points for this week, I mean, Curtis Samuel could be that option for you. So out of the Washington pass catchers, I mean, if obviously Terry McLaurin's rostered. Logan Thomas is probably sitting on somebody's and somebody's starting tight end slot as well. I mean, Samuel might be the guy to pick up for this week. 
Shout out to Golden. I think it was week one. Me, him, Kendall, and Golden was just saying, you know, Curtis Samuel is not a slouch either right now, looking a lot more like the number two wide receiver in this offense than number three we thought he was all going to be. And Dwayne, the Elijah Moore just comp couldn't be more spot on because I remember like podcasting with you last year and being like, okay, I don't think he magically sucks, but I just wish he wasn't literally dead last in yards per out run. And now through six weeks, Jahan Dawson is literally dead last in yards per out run. Golden, the story that's been taken over, you know, fantasy Twitter this morning is Jahan Dotson getting used as the holder now on field goals. And it just made me think about how I don't think I've ever seen a consistent wide receiver holder since Jeff Samarja at Notre Dame obviously went on to play some baseball professionally, but he was an absolute dog wide receiver back in the day. Do you have any thoughts on why wide receivers aren't used as holders more golden? Because I just feel like, you know, the ball is so much safer with, you know, like a legit pass catcher versus a backup QB or even God forbid a punter. Yeah, that's a very logical explanation. But at the end of the day, like kickers, they just hang out by themselves and they kick literally the entire practice and shoot the crap. And, you know, receivers, we have to actually go practice because it's probably more important for me to catch passes than, you know, hold it. But um, it makes sense because you could do so much with it. Like you could, there's so many like fake field goals you can do with the receiver back there who could just halfway throw or just take off running. Um, but, you know, in order for a successful field goal to happen, you need a good snap hold a guy who's not going to give you laces uh, and knows you, you know, like the back of his hand on where to, where to hold it. So that's why it probably does not pop up as often as we would think. But this was, this was kind of odd. Cause I feel like there's probably several other people that you could bring in who could hold um, in the meantime, so I, if you know, can you earn fantasy points from him? <laughs> like, if he were to do something weird and score, if he did that, yeah. sadly, we won't get PPR points just for catching the snap. Uh, you know, that'd be a lot cooler <laughs> if uh, we could make that happen, but yeah, sadly, no, there. I mean, Dwayne, this is just reeking of Antonio Gibson, like kick returner reps in August last year. And guess what? That, that, you know, flame wound up, you know, leading to certainly a fire right there. So we've talked on Sunday night, Dwayne, about Dotson sadly being droppable, man. I guess that's just the situation we're in now. Yeah, I mean, we want to monitor it because, like, he is like he's and Chris said it. He's playing enough. He yeah. he is on the field enough that he could just blow up this weekend, and then you got to make him a waiver wire priority because people yeah. will remember. Oh, he's a sixth, seventh round pick. Now he's back, you know. And when I say sixth, seventh round pick in fantasy, he was a first round pick in the NFL draft. Um, but I think Golden told us all we need to know. He gave the perfect explanation. If you're over there jacking around with the kickers, you know, hanging out, shooting the breeze, you know, and just kicking field goals, you're not practicing with the receivers. And we need Jahan Dotson to improve as a receiver. So I don't, right. I mean, hearing those words, I'm like, now I'm even more willing to drop Jahan Dotson. I'm like, I want this guy working on his craft, not holding kicks. Right. Oh, man, how quickly, how quickly that has uh, fallen down. All right, let's talk about, you know, something maybe a little bit more optimistic. Question number three, can a DJ Moore overcome the Tyson Badgett, a.k.a. T-Bag experience over there in Chicago? Chris, we'll start with you because on the one hand, I mean, we saw, you know, T-Bag absolutely peppering DJ Moore with targets when he got in there. I believe one of Matthew Berry's, you know, 10 takeaways from the week that he usually posted the fun thread about on Twitter Tuesday night. It was something like a 45 percent target share so hey man if we can get you know 15 targets you know we'll take them from a bad quarterback and hopefully you can just catch a third of those but how confident are you chris because again a little bit different playing in the nfl than it is at shepherd university 
Yeah, just just a little bit. I mean, I can understand that. But going up against the Raiders secondary, who's been, you know, somewhat forgiving in terms of like allowing other wide receivers to be successful. We'll see how upright T-Bag can stay with Max Crosby coming at him from the other side. But I think it's just more of it's more of a volume play than than anything else, because I mean, last week, DJ Moore, what over 60 percent of the team's air yards, which like it's not a ton uh, if you like relative to the rest of the league, but if that's the type of utilization that we can expect for, for more, I mean, the fact that he was already on, on pace to shatter his career high in terms of receiving touchdowns, I think he's already at five. Most he's had in a single season. Wait, Chris, 60%, not a ton. That's it. That's a boatload of air <laughs> oh, yards. I'm saying like, relative to, I'm saying like relative to total air yards, the total air yards for the entire team, like relative to the rest of the league. I'm saying 62 air yards, absolutely, like that single number. But I'm saying the amount that Badgett had, like compared to the rest of the league. Oh, I got, okay, Badgett. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, my yeah, bad. Yeah, I was yeah, thought you were talking about yeah. DJ Moore. I'm like, Dude. oh no, 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 62. If you have to, if like, <laughs> you're, you're gonna, gonna have to fix your, uh, you're gonna have to fix your charts, bro. <laughs> yeah, like anybody else had 62% of their air yards. I mean, it'd be ridiculous. Like they'd be like the wide receiver one, not just a <laughs> wide receiver one. But yeah, I mean, if that's that's where the volume play like comes into it, because like to your point, if he's going to be like the 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 apple of Badgen's eye, like on each of their pass plays, then it's easier for us to go ahead and slot him in and say, like, all right, well, you're gonna have uh, you know. 15 like 16 targets or whatever the case may be and then of course if some of them like wind up being receptions turn that into some yards as well from a ppr standpoint we'll go ahead and walk out of the day like walk out at the end of the day and be like all right you know 12 13 points is probably cool for the, for that for that portion or for what we need for week seven so i'm okay with starting him it's just the rest of the guys that we were somewhat confident in like cole Komet. Like I'm less excited about starting mm -hmm. a guy like that because with Justin Fields, we had at least more confidence that the team would be more efficient, get into the red zone, and that's where Cole Komet could actually do his thing and he would actually have a big day because his days were tied to Justin Fields having solid days. So I'm less interested in the ancillary pass catchers, even if we were looking at a Darnell Mooney, I mean, insert name here. It's just more about DJ Moore. I'll take the volume and move on to week eight. Free DJ Moore, man. His list of career QVs, you know, said it once, we'll say it again. Really, I, I thought him and Terry McLaurin were neck and neck as just being, you know, this generation's great receivers with one mid QB after another. At this point, I don't know how you can't give it to DJ Moore. He had to get, you know, the last kind of hurrah from Cam Newton, Justin Fields, Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater, Baker Mayfield, Taylor Heineke, PJ Walker, Kyle Allen, Will Greer, Jacob Eason, Garrett Gilbert, and now T Bag himself. I mean, Golden, you know, you had the luxury of getting to play you know with Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford for a lot of your career where they weren't missing you know hardly if any games out there from season to season but did you have some experiences earlier in your career or even in those Giants days where like how hard was it going from you know the starting QB who you've been getting all your reps with suddenly to the backup who just you know by virtue of preparation you haven't had all that many routes to you know get along with it's it's a struggle and um I learned once I left Detroit like I walked into the building in Detroit and me and Stafford just hit it off. We were boys right away. We hung um, at practice. We just had a connection like there. I remember one time we had a run play on where I'm supposed to go be blocking the safety. But the DB was off of me by like eight yards. And I'm like looking in and I just and I did this and he did this as well. And he threw it to me. It ended up being like an eight yard gain. And like that does not happen. Um you know, unless you have like, you know, the Paytons and the Staffords and, and guys like that. But we just had a connection, man. And man, you just listed off DJ Moore's quarterbacks. 
Good Lord, the fact that he's still in the league having those guys <laughs> is, is kind of crazy. And it's also a testimony to how talented this guy is. Like, I watched him over the last uh, three weeks and I like, went back and dug into the film. He has got like that it factor. He's got strong hands, which is something I definitely appreciate because it is rarely, it's rare that you're just butt naked wide open. Okay. And then his, his yak ability is special. Like that guy, just give him the ball and he can go. And, and on top of that, he, he can track a ball. Did he play baseball at some point? Do we know? No question. No, I'm on it. I feel like he did, but regardless, like he can track a ball. And so for that reason, like, I think you can play him, you know, no matter who's a quarterback because he's, you know, produced, but, um, if if I'm him, if I'm like Getsky, I'm just trying to get him the ball, like at the line of scrimmage on slants, stuff stuff that just takes less thinking from T bag, um, and and just see where it goes. But like just he he only has to hold it down for what we'll say what one or two weeks, um, and so just don't completely trick it off and we'll be good. But look, hey, I read an article where they are super like confident in him and. They think he's a smart player and they think he's going to do fine. And to me, I'm calling bullshit on it because what else are you going to say to the media? Like, yeah, we just lost our first round pick. And now we got a guy that most of us have never heard of. The only thing we know is that his dad was like an all world arm wrestling champ. And now we just believe in this guy because he had one preseason game where he did well. I'm not buying it. But if he is smart, you have a chance. You see single high, find DJ more on the outside. Okay, stay out of third and longs, and you have a chance to manage the game and sneak by with the win. But I don't have like the utmost confidence yeah. at this point. Mm-hmm. Come on, teabag, prove us all wrong. We're rooting for you. Ian, all Over I want to know is, did we hit? I know Ian had a goal <laughs> secretly written down on a piece of paper of how many, how many times, times he would get us to say the word teabag. What was the goal, Ian, and did you achieve it? Yeah, uh, yes, we that? passed it. We passed it with flying <laughs> colors. I just had, you know, Golden embraced it. I think Golden I, liked it. Too. <laughs> hey. I got go- I got Golden saying teabag. I got Matthew Barry, you know, texting me pictures of sheesh license plates at you know <laughs> noon. Twenty twenty three, guys. What a time to be alive. Let's try to stay on the rails just a little bit here, though, because question number four, guys, is you know going to be another not that great offense to talk about. But these are the tough questions that you got to be asking in fantasy land. Are any Colts skill position talents recommended starts against this beastly Miles Garrett led Browns defense? I mean, Dwayne, we saw what these guys did to Brock Purdy and company last week i get it you lose cmc you lose debo that's going to make things tougher for everyone involved but just looking at this matchup you know with gardner Minshew under center the rest of the way sadly not going to see anthony richardson again we're adjusting to that but Dwayne, you do have michael Pittman ranked as the wide receiver 28 this week zach moss as the rb 22 and then jonathan taylor as your rb 17 so just confidence levels with those guys like do you see yourself answering start sick questions involving colts more so with the other guys because as much as we don't want to be you know slaves to matchups sure it seems like this Browns defense is one that warrants you know a bit of hesitation well I think the bye weeks are going to force you to start them but do you realize how hard it is to have a player like Michael Pittman averaging almost 10 targets a game to push them to wide receiver 28 on a week where there's six teams off that should tell you everything you need you need to know because on most weeks Michael Pittman's going to be a wide receiver too when we have all the teams available But to be at 28 when you're almost getting 10 targets per game, that tells you how good this Cleveland Browns defense is. The only defense that's been able to shut down the 49ers offense, which we thought was an absolute juggernaut, 144 yards per game in non-overtime play, 0.8 touchdowns per game. So, yeah, it's really tough. And then with JT, like we always just want to lean into JT, but we don't know when we're going to get full JT. 
You know, we don't we don't know when it's going to be like, when are we going to be done with the Zach Moss thing? Will we ever be done with the Zach Moss thing? I think eventually, like Taylor probably gets 65 percent of the rushing attempts when he reaches like the peak this season. But I just don't know if it'll be this week or not. We did a positive step forward last last week, but it's also a tough matchup on the ground. Like the Brown, the Browns are a legit, really good um, defense. So more stark questions will be yes with Taylor, but mostly because of the bye week. Um, so until we know Moss is out of the way, plus getting this matchup, it's uh, it's tough. But the bye weeks are going to make him uh, he's a he's a mid range RB two this week. Imagine Chris going back like six weeks and telling yourself like, okay, after the first month and a half of the season, our top five fantasy running backs and total PPR points are going to be Christian McCaffrey, Raheem Mostert, Travis Etienne, Kyron Williams, and Zach Moss. Even though Zach Moss even missed week one out here. I mean, Chris, just, just out on these guys, it is pretty tough again, given the matchup. Yeah, I think that's the, I think Dwayne kind of laid it out like perfectly, because if we were looking at this just completely agnostic of the defensive matchup, like, yeah, we would probably want to push a lot of these guys up. Zach Moss hitting like almost career highs in like rushing efficiency, like so far uh, after taking over the reins, like for for the Colts, uh, even like Michael Pittman to, to Dwayne's point. I mean, utilization has been there. Efficiency has been there as it has over the past couple of seasons. But when you go up against this Browns defense, I mean, you just got to take like most of that back. Over the last like three weeks, I mean, these are the uh, the quarterbacks that they faced and they played like a man coverage against all of them. I mean, the against Lamar Jackson, they were playing uh, they were playing man coverage on over like 40 percent of his dropbacks. The same thing with Joe Burrow in that stinker that they laid in week one. And of course, the same thing against like the 49ers last week, just using their defenders and just like betting on the fact that their receivers can't win against man coverage. And Michael Pittman, I mean, out of out of 50 wide receivers so far. Uh, with like more than five targets in man coverage, Michael Pittman ranks 50th. I mean, Josh Downs, I mean, rookie, well, I understand that, ranks 40th in yards per route run against man coverage. So like, if we can't expect these guys to be efficient against the coverage that most likely they're going to see against this Browns defense, I mean, it's hard for us to expect like the same level of fantasy production that we've seen so far. So the, the volume might be there, but I'm just not expecting any of the same efficiency. And of course, as a result, and we can't expect the same type of fantasy production. So yeah, I'd try and avoid if you can, but with the bye weeks, it's going to be tough. Browns defense is top six and fantasy points per game against every single position out there. So really is not a weak link in this squad right now. Second and havoc behind only the Cowboys. Yeah, they are pretty, pretty, pretty good. Golden, I want to go to you with our next question here. Going to talk some Steelers now. What is our trust level for Steelers pass catchers with Deontay Johnson? Hopefully, seemingly back from IR with this hamstring injury. So Golden, he did surface injury in week one. They had the bye week. So we actually had a full extra week uh, to, to, you know, get right here ahead of week seven i mean coming off this hamstring injury like is it one of these things where you don't even know how right you are until you have to go out there and you know get actually accumulated again with live game action or do you think given this long of a stretch we can maybe expect the usual deontay johnson to be out there here in week seven yeah i wouldn't expect the the usual normal deontay johnson just because like my experience with hammies of you know i was blessed to only deal with one hammy it was my last season um, in, in, in preseason, but for me, it's different because I'm a slot guy. I don't have to, I don't have to open up a whole ton of a lot in a slot. Like I was more like, I'm a player leverage and use you against you. Deontay Johnson's a burner. He he's a down the field, stretch to field type of guy. And so unless he's had some unplanned step where he's either one gotten jammed off the line and it's forced him like to really fire that hammy, um, his confidence could be like, he's still trying to gain it. And if, 
I if I'm out there at the line of scrimmage, not thinking about how I'm gonna beat you, but thinking about is my hand be gonna be okay when I try to hit you with that one two? You know that that could stress me out. And plus, like the whole quarterback situation, I, I just don't love in general. But um, I would I would keep a close eye on him to see like how he's moving around. Um, you know, if if he has a drop or two, it's because he's rusty. Does he does he trust um, his, his hammy? Um, but if you don't have anyone else to play, you got to do what you got to do, right? Yeah. Now, and that is how it is for a lot of people out there. Again, six teams on by. I get it. You might not have much of a choice. And Dwayne, you know, we do have George Pickens obviously coming into his own. Pat Frymouth is also going to be back from injury. I mean, how do you balance this, Dwayne? Because honestly, like what we saw, very, very limited action. I get it. But man, six targets. He caught three of them for 48 yards on just 27 snaps against the 49ers in week one. I mean, Dwayne, it was tough for us to get through a single draft without, you know, getting Deontay Johnson here throughout the summer. Are we pumped? Are we treating this like Cooper Cup? Okay, you're back. You're back in our lineups. Or do you think, you know, more of a wait and see approach is warranted here? Um, I mean, I've got him in most lineups at this point. But again, it's by Mageddon. Uh, We've got the six teams off. So it's like Golden said, you've got to do what you've got to do. I am really interested, though, to see what happens here. Because you would hope like this ultimately would be a positive for the Steelers offense and would maybe help Kenny Pickett. Golden also alluded to there's some challenges there. And I agree. Like Kenny Pickett hasn't really looked good. But... We've seen other guys, you get them surrounded with enough weapons, this could help him. My main hope is that Matt Canada doesn't go back to just making George Pickens like run gassers all game. Like, come on, like, let's keep this guy incorporated into the game plan. We've seen more slants, more crossers, more comebacks from Pickens this year with Deontay Johnson out because Johnson was handling a lot of that stuff. So it was one of these kind of coordinators that's like, no, you attack this area of the field, you attack this area. I think what we've seen in today's game is it's better if you've got the kind of talent like the Steelers have that the defense has to worry about everyone attacking everything. And that just stresses the defense out even more. And so I, I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens um, with Deontay Johnson. I would look at him. I know this, this week he'll probably rank a little higher than this, but I think to as he comes back looking at a wide receiver three, you know, he's a guy that we drafted as a wide receiver two. But I think letting him get back from injury, seeing how things work out with Pickens, I'm downgrading Pickens a little bit as well, like rest of season, like he's been a mid-range wide receiver too. Now more of a low-end wide receiver too. Obviously, again, he'll be higher this week because of all the teams off. But I think we just have to wait and see how it's ultimately going to work out. Mostly going to be in my lineups, but just trying to stay, you know, I, I don't want to get too excited, Ian, because we did draft a lot of Deontay Johnson. A and, lot, a lot. Uh, <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Hey, I have teams that are like three and three, and I'm like, God, thank God. like Because <laughs> like with Deontay Johnson and all the injuries we've had, like three and three looks really good to me, and my teams are getting better. but. I'm hopeful. I do think they can coexist. But then, like you said, you're also getting Fryermuth back as well. So it's going to be interesting. It does. They do have the pieces to have a good offense if Pickett can put it together. Mike Tomlin, before the bye, was saying there wouldn't be any changes to offense, the coordinator or play calling duties. And it just makes you think, guys. I mean, since Canada took over in 2021, the Steelers joined the Panthers, the Giants, and the Texans. Yeah, who cares what stat I'm even about to say when you got that group of guys with you? But yeah, only four groups averaging under five yards per play. Not great, guys. Not great. 
Let's move on to our next question here. Is Marquise Hollywood Brown a prime by low candidate? Chris got some actually good injury news out of the Cardinals. I think it was last week where, you know, I was joking about how we just haven't gotten a Kyler Murray update in forever. Well, it's actually great news. He's back at practice and presumably on track to suit up maybe even as early as week eight. So this year, Chris, we haven't seen, you know, Brown completely blow up the stat sheet, just the wide receiver 22 in PPR points per game. But man, oh man, was that sample we had last year of Hollywood with Kyler and no DeAndre Hopkins. Pretty great in fantasy land. And I think so far through like six weeks or so, like he's kind of shown us like he is still like they're the team's wide receiver one. But it's just I think to what Golden was saying earlier, if you don't have that rapport like with your quarterback, then things don't look as clean as you would expect them to on field. So it has been a little bit of Marquise Brown here, a little bit of Michael Wilson here, and maybe like a dash of Rondell Moore. And then, of course, we've got the tight ends working in as well. So it hasn't been as clean cut as expected. But we do know based off of, I mean, what we saw in the, during the 2022 season, he does have that connection with Kyler. Hopefully, if he gets back out there on the field, we we get that back because for all intents and purposes, I mean, he is the cards like wide receiver one. Right now, I believe in t uh, across all uh, wide receivers that he's third in air yard share so far. I mean, still ranks ahead of most of the other like pass catchers in Arizona when it comes to the utilization, whether it's target share, once they get into uh, the, the red zone, I mean, like all the things that we want for fantasy purposes. So if we do, if we do see like that start to like kick back his way, like once Kyler returns, I mean, that might be the way that we start to get like, more, he becomes a bit more fantasy relevant. So my only concern would be though, with the trade deadline coming up here soon, I mean, we would expect the Cardinals to be sellers rather than buyers. So if a team with wide receiver issues or like looking, looking to add another piece comes calling, I would, I mean, they've already, like, haven't they already sent off like two of their players so far? Uh, I mean, so if somebody does want the services of Marquise Brown, I mean, that he could be the guy that's on his way out with them looking to trying to develop a guy like Michael Wilson and all the and Trey McBride, so on and so forth moving forward. So hopefully we get to see that Kyler to Hollywood magic again. But I mean, with the way the real NFL works and with the way that the league is kind of trending right now with teams needing a, you know, a little bit more wide receiver work, we could see him on the move sooner rather than later. Well, I know you got plenty of friends around the league. Can you break any trades for us? You got any intel on this Hollywood Brown situation? I mean, even if not, that's cool. But just thoughts on maybe, you know, any potential trades you'd like to see or just, you know, you can reflect on, you know, as someone that I believe you were traded a midseason one time, what that can kind of do for just your mindset and psyche kind of knowing that that is a possibility for you. Yeah, so I can speak on my uh, when when I got to like year four. In five, I started seeing the rumors of like trade candidates and, you know, I was like, okay, I could do this, but it is hard being traded. It is very challenging. Like, can you imagine just like us being here today working for our company and then tomorrow, hey, by the way, Ian, we're just going to trade you to the other side of the United States and <laughs> effective like right now and you're going to start working there tomorrow. Like, you don't know where you're going to live. You don't know where the facility is. You don't know your coworkers names you don't know how to even get to your in my case your locker and it's just starting over in the middle of the season you don't understand until it actually happens um so it, it i mean it's a challenge because the show must go on like i got traded on philly's off week and so i had like an additional like week to like really start learning the material but i never the lingo it was unfamiliar we were using numbers and all types of stuff i was like what in the world but the show must go on like you have a game coming up like we don't have time for like, 
you know, all the questions really. You got to just stay late and hope it works out. Now you 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 know when you trade for guys like Odell and and people like that, they find a way and keep it simple. But I went to the team that just won a Super Bowl, who's already a really good team anyway. Um, and Zach Ertz was was the guy that they want to feed. But man, I remember like I made the best of it. But trying to learn two minute offense, like I'm learning the play call, the name, the code word, uh, the signal at the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter, like you know, and you know, you don't have much time in between these plays. It's like, all right, here's your signal. I'm like, what is that signal? I I studied it. I studied <laughs> it. What is it though? Uh, uh, smash! Oh cra- oh crap! The ba- the ball's been snapped for like a, a second and a half. Um, <laughs> so like you really lean on like the veterans to help you out. Um, and I was on year like what 10 or, or like nine at that point. So I knew like all the route combinations, just like quarterbacks and, and office quarters have a certain way that they want to run plays and run routes that you've been learning since you were this tall. And it's, it's hard. It's hard. I can only imagine, man. And sadly, I don't have a no uh, trade clause in my fantasy life contract. So Matthew Barry, if you're listening to this, man, really can't say enough great things about you. Love you, man. All the charity work, just a great guy. Please don't trade me uh, anywhere else. Dwayne, one of these situations where, you know, not all that dissimilar to someone like Rashad White, where again, the utilization screams that Marquise Brown is a wide receiver one for as long as he is going to be a member of the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, one of just five wide receivers, more than 700 air yards. I've counted three potential chunk touchdowns just over the past two weeks that he could have, you know, had with a better, more catchable ball. Like, where do you fall on Hollywood? Hopefully breaking out. And do you have any info on just like where kind of players with this level of targets and with this average target depth usually turn out you know more times than not yeah so like his comp group is wide receiver 14 since 2011 Mm -hmm. he's the wide receiver 17 right now now that's in total points not in points per game points per game he's sitting at 13.8 the average wide receiver from this group finished 16.6 so and I, i just took the factors you talked about the average depth of target and i basically set a band around it and then i take the targets that he's earning per game and i put a band around that so i do think there's some upside here and we could see even a little bit better, you know, uh, you know, catchable ball rates from, um, you know, Kyler Murray once he comes back. But he's going to also have to get up to speed. You know, Golden's talked multiple times this show about people coming back or getting traded and working their way back into an offense. So I think when we look at what Josh Dobbs has done, like it's been admirable, but the catch rate has come down over the last few yeah. games. He was playing really well early. And now I don't know if it's like the cracks are starting to show with his game, but like the completion rates have really come down. Getting open, man. Come on, Kyler. We believe in you, man. We believe in you. All right, guys. Next question here. Can we rely on any Chargers pass catchers not name Keenan Allen or Austin Eckler? Chris, we'll start with you, man, because again, really thought this was going to be the Quentin Johnston time. No Mike Williams. We even got Donald Parham, you know, banged up just in terms of big bodied red zone threats go. And sadly, only a two game sample size. But in that two game sample size. It's Keenan Allen and Joshua Palmer with 15 targets each. Gerald Everett's down there at seven. Austin Eckler at five in one game. And tied with Donald Parham with just four targets is none other than their first-round pick, Quentin Johnston. So how are you approaching, again, Chris, non-Chargers, you know, players not named Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler? Because obviously they're going to be in fantasy lineups of all shapes and sizes. Look, I mean, for the Gerald Everett uh, side of things, I mean, it was at least good to see him get a get into the box, uh, you know, on 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 Monday night because uh, there there might have been a show on this YouTube channel <laughs> saying to pick up Gerald Everett as a late round tight end. Don't know who said it, 
but let's just go ahead and scrub that, you know, away. But maybe that things might change and like work in our favor. I think it's the same guy that said Ramondre Stevenson would be a running back one, and he was correct. He's really so. accurate. <laughs> he's a really yeah, accurate guy. guy. Uh, he's yeah, he's pretty solid. Uh, last I checked, um, but. For Quentin Johnston, uh, I think Dwayne made the point earlier that if you if there are any adjustments that we want to see made, like for uh, for rookie wide receivers, the hope that w- would be that it would come during the bye week. And yeah, there were some changes made uh, for Quentin Johnston over the bye week, but but they weren't good ones. Uh, I mean, his route rate dropped uh, against the Cowboys this past week, like from uh, after week four going into the bye, target shared down, air yard shared down, targets per route run. I mean, everything was down. In a game that was competitive throughout, in a game that they needed to win, and of course the icing on the cake was he was the target when Herbert threw like the game ceiling interception, which I'm not going to fully put on both of them. It's more of a situational thing than anything else, but it's just he just happened to be the guy that was the was the target at that particular time. So if it's we've seen so far, uh, we've had what two, three games like without uh, without Mike Williams. And we haven't seen that development. We haven't even seen him on the field more. I think that's the most concerning part. Uh, and if we're not really seeing that type of development, it's it, almost like the Jahan Dotson conversation we were having earlier. I mean, until we even start to see more route participation for him, I'm not sure why he's even on people's benches at this point. And the team is kind of indicating that they want to make sure Keenan Allen is still their star continue using Josh Palmer as the wide receiver too. work in the tight ends, Parham and Everett, along with Austin Eckler in the passing game as well. And then if Johnston makes it, okay, fine. But as of right now, they're, they're showing us, they're telling us, I mean, the, the usage is there. We seemed on the field that it, it's those five guys. And outside of that, we can't really hope much more for Johnston at this point. So, I mean, he's, he's been off my roster now, especially after, after Monday night, and uh, hopefully we'll see something more from the rookie like moving forward, but it's tough to see right now. Wayne, I know like Joshua Palmer was someone that we drafted, you know, quite a bit more last year later and had high expectations for him after Mike Williams and Keenan went down, just didn't quite see him fulfill those high expectations. But just over the past three weeks, man, 66 yards in the touchdown, you know, 77 yards before the bye, 60 yards on four catches against the Cowboys. And that didn't even include a pretty nice, you know, 27 yard touchdown. I got wiped off the board by an illegal man downfield penalty. So again, wasn't like the penalty completely allowed the touchdown to happen in the first place. I mean, are we is it about time to maybe change our priors here Dwayne because again it's shocked me to see Keenan Allen and Joshua Palmer tied for the team lead and targets here over their past two games yeah I mean with dot I mean whenever we look at you know um sorry now I'm on Palmer you made me think of Dotson again yeah, like when we're looking at Palmer like he's not earning a ton of targets like from a target share standpoint but he never leaves the field he's in a pass first offense the cardinals drop back rate over expectation is fifth best in the league the chargers plays per minute over expectation tops in the league so you've got a fast offense wants to throw the ball all the time and that suddenly turns somebody that's like a 17 percent targets per route run player into a guy that's going to have six seven targets a game and like you can you can use that in fantasy like that's doable like if this was golden tape playing there he would have like 12 targets a game like because golden like was le- and we're not saying josh palmer isn't legit he's a he's an nfl wide receiver i'm sitting at my desk right now talking about fantasy football numbers so like <laughs> let's just get this clear the seven eight and seven targets yeah man it's very usable um you know that's ppr 21 ppr 30th ppr last week he was 34th in ppr and he was closer to having a bigger game than that there was a great play by deron bland in the end zone to break up what would have been a touchdown pass he was palmer was definitely on the same page late in the late in a scramble drill with Justin Herbert. So things you like to see, like he's doing. 
Mm-hmm. And he's, I, I would put it this way. He's like Gabe Davis. Like Gabe Davis, he's nice. He's an he's he's an NFL receiver, but the big thing that helps him, he's on a pass first offense that runs with a lot that runs with tempo. And so you can take something like an 18% targets per route run, and that turns into fantasy goodness. So yeah, I think he's a wide receiver three from here on out. If he does take a step forward as a target earner, he could be a wide receiver two. Golden, I mean, this is one of these things with Quentin Johnston. We're coming out of an air raid system at TCU. I mean, I think a lot of people, and even the Chargers, wanted to give him, you know, time to kind of learn the offense and just start grasping, grasping more nuances. But how kind of long can you give a player where they are just not doing anything before you say, I'm just not so sure he's going to get it? I mean, do you think with Quentin Johnston, you know, we could be looking at another Corey Coleman type of situation where we just oh. sadly aren't going to see them quite grasp it? Injuries aside and stuff, I know Corey didn't have, you know, the easiest, uh, you know, health going for him. Josh Doxson. Josh oh, Doxson. Like the list goes on and on, Golden. So thoughts on, again, just a slow start for Johnston, how much maybe that air raid offense coming out of college could have to do with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, because I'm not in the locker room, I, I'm believing that he is just not um, grown as a pro fast enough. Um, he's still trying to figure it out, figure it out. Like the TCU offense that they ran is, is there's not much that you can compare to like a pro offense. Okay. Like, however, like with wh- how they drafted him and how we drafted him, I thought Joshua Palmer would be irrelevant. At, by now i mean i was like okay quentin johnson mike and keenan oh my goodness they're about to light it up i mean all tall guys that you can you can intermix but i think the Chargers like to move their guys around right like you can see keenan outside on, on the single side in the slot outside the strong side and i just think that maybe that information is just too much for him at this point and then you have a safer player who's been in the offense for a while Joshua Palmer, you know what you're going to get for him because, look, you have a superb um, quarterback and running back, and you can run the ball. So I just don't need, you know, you messing it up, running the wrong route, or not being where we think you're going to be. And so that's where I'm going to chalk it up to. I think he does have a little bit more time in real life than we expect. Like, he's – he, I think he's got until halfway through next season to figure it out, and then after that it's probably like, all right, but we're going to try mm-hmm. to trade you, get something for you. Uh, because his talent is there, his speed's there, his length is there, and we know he can catch uh, for the most part. So I've been a little bit confused on like why he's not out there more. Um, but look, Joshua Palmer ain't giving up his his uh, position very easily. He's efficient when he's out there, and um, in fact, he's like earning like twenty two percent first read share right behind Keenan, which is you know nice. And so like I, I feel like they're not missing Mike Williams as much as I, I guess we thought they might because Joshua Palmer's stepping up and not not QJ. QJ, you know, just turned 22 in September, hardly writing the guy off just yet or anything like that. But it does just take me back, I mean, to that like June report where Quentin was like, you know, yeah, one of my goals was to, you know, start in this offense. And I'm really just happy to have already be able to cross that off. And it just didn't even happen like Joshua Palmer was hurt. So confusing kind of pecking order throughout the way. Hopefully QJ can get going. But yeah, can't be put anywhere near those fantasy lineups at least for Mm -hmm. week seven. All right, guys, let's do these next two, you know, fairly quickly here. Going to talk now 
out who is your real life and fantasy MVP through six weeks of action. I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson as my real life MVP because he is the system in Baltimore. And I think he has done more with less than about any other quarterback out there in terms of the drops, the O-line injuries, and just keeping this offense as good as it's been. Give me Lamar there. Fantasy MVP, I'll go with the RB2 in total PPR points. That is Raheem Mostert because you got him either for free or at the late round draft pick that you would never be able to acquire him again with should we start those drafts over today. So Chris, real life and fantasy MVP. And let's just, you know, let the people know that you have been pretty damn good with your predictions over these past couple of weeks. So we're talking to a freaking legend over here. I'm, I'm one for one. I'm betting a thousand right here. So yeah. What have you done for me lately, man? Let's do uh, it. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, I, I'd have to agree with you to be quite honest, like on the Lamar Jackson call. I mean, from a uh, drop back, I mean, like legit quarterbacking perspective. I mean, it's been, I'm hard pressed to to not believe that Lamar Jackson, like it has exceeded expectations and hasn't had Odell Beckham, like for a handful of games, Rashad Bateman has been in and out in the lineup, like really just working with a rookie wide receiver. And of course, Mark Andrews who'd also missed like week one, but still up there in terms of passing success rate EPA per drop back. And we've just seen like legitimate quarterbacking out of a guy. I'm old enough to remember scouts saying should have switched to the wide receiver positions. So, I mean, this, I think like so far, I think Lamar should be like, well, well within the, the race, like for the MVP, at least for the actual NFL for fantasy, I'm with you on the Raheem Mostert call. Like I get it. I mean, he's only seen like, you know, stacked boxes on like 20 ish percent, like of his carries. So it's like, okay, if you got Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, whomever out there, like in this offense, that's creating explosives left and right, but still on those attempts that he's seen eight or like eight or more men in the box. I mean, he still has one of the, the highest, if not the second highest, like, um, like, what was it, like rushing success rate, like on those types of carries. So like he's still doing the things as, as a rusher that you'd expect to. He's being efficient with his touches, especially in the areas that we would need him to. And oh, by the way, also has like a fairly high yards per hour run, like for most running backs. So yeah, I'm with you, like based on the ADP, based off of like the number of explosive games that he's seen, we've seen him have so far. I mean, it has to be Mostert at this point. Great minds, brother. Dwayne, who you got? I think there are a lot that we could pick from. Like, I think Mostert is a really good one, but P- Puka Nakua would be another one. And I, mm-hmm. Ian, you name the way you got to describe this. Can't be someone you took early. You had to have taken them later in your draft. And now you're getting to put them into your wide receiver three spot, your flex spot, and they are winning your league if you manage to not just have a complete disaster from an injury perspective. You know, or maybe they're keeping your team alive, but Puka Nakua and Adam Thielen would be the other two. If he hadn't been hurt, Tyron yeah. Williams should be in this conversation. I think you could honestly go with any one of those names. I can't remember a year where we've had so many guys that went late that nobody really thought were going to be much of anything. And they're league winners. These are truly league winners. So I think those are all great. Real life, I like the Lamar call out, but man, come on. It's Patrick Mahomes. And I know like that's the easy pick. But Boring. <laughs> yeah, I know it's boring. I know it's boring, but tell me who's doing more with less. Like Patrick Mahomes would take the Ravens uh, he That's would take true, their, actually. <laughs> he would take their pass catchers right now. Believe me. They can't even decide who they want on the field. It's so bad in Kansas City right now. They literally rotate like eight guys. At they wide traded receiver. for Miko Hardman. Like That's, That's how bad, how bad it, is. it is, Chris. So that alone should tell you that, you know, hey, look, Miko, come on, man. Come on and do do. I hope you do something good, you know, for Patrick Mahomes and, and the offense here. But I give that one to Mahomes. Golden, I have a feeling he might uh, give a little shout out to one guy, Dwayne mentioned former ND alum, Kyron Williams, but who are your fantasy MVPs and real life through six weeks? Yeah, I was going to say my, my fantasy MVP is definitely Kyron. I mean, where did he come from? I mean, it, 
I saw him very low on the board, and I was like, okay, I guess I'm not going to touch him because I was like, oh, Cam Akers is going to kill it this year. No, no, not not the case <laughs> at all. But Kyron, I mean, my ND guy is showing up, and he's just absolutely balling. Um, I hope he gets back on the field ASAP. Um, and and listen, like, do any of us expect the Rams to be that good this year? I mean, they've turned Kyron Williams and Puka into household names without even Cooper Cup on the field. Now, real life, I mean, real life, I mean, Tyreek Hill. Ooh. I mean, are you serious? We're, what, yeah. six games in? He's at 814 yards. <laughs> he's less than 200 yards from 1,000. He's, and we're not even halfway through the season yet. That is, to me, that is wild. I mean, that's a testament, testament to uh, McDaniels out there doing his thing, Tua being a the best system quarterback I've seen. Um, between him and, and Purdy um, makes me want to throw my desk over if I had, you know, that type of opportunity. Um, wow. Can you imagine what would happen? But uh, so those are my two fantasy and real life. Um, and then what was the other question? No, nah, you got it. You're good. You and it. just okay. speaking of the Tyree kill call, man, like he's on pace for over 2,300 receiving yards. And like he said, he wanted 2K. Yeah, it looks like he might uh, maybe push it up to 3K next year, man. Dwayne, he's averaging over five yards per out run right now. I mean, <laughs> how you know Tyreek Hill is really good, like in nerdy fantasy terms. Um, you know, you've got the different scoring formats. Literally, Tyreek Hill still ranks number one, even in standard scoring. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which is like, that's known as being, no, nah, you always go with the running back, man. No, well, Tyreek yeah. Hill's actually, like, every week when I do the projections and we do the model, it's like Tyreek Hill pops up at the top of every single one of the ranks. And, uh, you know, it's legit because of what you just said, Ian. All right, guys, final one. We'll make this one quick. Don't even, you know, guys, don't even need too much of an explanation if you don't want. What is your bold call for week seven? Shout out Chris for getting his right. Dwayne technically got his right, but we all know that was a Bush League bowl call. And I was wrong with my Rondale Moore assertion. So hand up. That's on me. Chris 1-0. Dwayne 0-0-1. Zero, zero, I am 0-1. and one. I'm going to go with Matthew Stafford going for over 300 passing yards and not one, not two, not three, but four passing touchdowns this week. Only has one game this year with more than one. I think there has not been a quarterback better than Stafford this year that is less, you know, reflective on the box score. So give me Stafford going off. Golden, you have a bowl call for week seven you know mine my bull call is gonna be for the year but um I said, hmm I, you know i'm gonna go with my boy marvin jones i'm gonna say he's gonna Ooh. have a good week and and finish as like a top 10 tennis oh. receiver marvin oh, marvin jones come on man i'm rooting for you buddy that is bold thank that you golden Dwayne. Like try to follow that up man i can't think you can't be more bold than that like <laughs> i love like, it <laughs> golden is gone so bolden? I don't. You know, I don't know. Uh, Christian Watson is mine. Seven for one ten and two touchdowns. We've been waiting. We've been waiting. Had the hamstring injury. Was partially back in week four. Week five, eighty-five percent route participation. Led the team target share twenty-five percent. Felt like an auctioneer for a second there. I started going like Ian fast. <laughs> um, so yeah, give me this nice matchup playing the Broncos. I don't need to explain anything else to you guys. They leave everyone wide open. And then once guys catch the ball, they miss tackles. That's a recipe for a huge game for Christian Watson. All the air yards in week five. Good job, Dwayne. I called you out and you answered the call, man. Proud of you. Chris, what's your bull call? Mr. Ramondre Stevenson, fortune teller. Uh, I'll go with uh, Gabe Davis, uh, wide receiver one. Actually, we'll we'll take that back. I'll put him at top six. Uh, for, for the uh, what Devonta Smith like scored a touchdown with him. Jacoby Myers like uh, tagged them for for a score as well. Uh, I mean, not to say that the wide receiver two 
trend is like it's anything sticky. But with his usage so far, I think this could be the week that he pops off after we saw Stefan Diggs actually just go nuclear this past weekend. So yeah, I'll go Gabe Davis top six for the week. Great job, everyone. Not quite as bold as Golden's, but you know, when we see Marvin Jones at that top five finish this I have week. To up my game, you'll... man. Yeah, no, I didn't come prepared for that. That's scorching. Yeah, high, keep your money in your pocket on it, but I believe. <laughs> hey, I like well, it. You got trust. Right you got now. trust in you got trust in your board. I like it. Absolutely. Well, great stuff, fellas. Great stuff, listeners, because without all, you know, without you guys, we would not even be doing this. So for Dwayne, for Chris, for Golden freaking Tate. Again, how cool is that, everyone? I want to thank you guys again for listening to the Fantasy Live podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. <laughs>